Hello, it's Eugene Bingham. Hi, Eugene. This is Jacinda Ardern speaking. Hello. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. If you just bear with me one second, I'll add my co-host Adam Dudding to the call. He's standing by. How are you? Oh, I'm okay. I'm a little tired today, but otherwise I'm absolutely fine. <laughs> one of those days. Here we go. Adam should be there. Are we all here? I believe we're there. How long do we have with you? Uh, I think we set aside 30 minutes. Yep. Great. That sounds perfect with us. Well, we'll crack into it. Coronavirus New Zealand, a Daily Stuff podcast. Welcome to this special episode of Coronavirus NZ for Friday the 10th of April. Good Friday. I'm Adam Dudding. And I'm Eugene Bingham. Usually we bring you the latest news and glimpses of life under lockdown in Aotearoa and elsewhere. But today something different. New Zealand Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern joined us for a conversation. Yeah, after we finished putting the show together yesterday, that's Thursday, we managed to get her on the line. The way things work is you put in an interview request, which we did early in the week, then you wait to hear back. And on Wednesday, we heard we'd got a slot and thought, ah, oh, now we've got to come up with some questions. I mean, the Prime Minister is grilled by the gallery reporters just about every day. And for the life of me, I couldn't think of another question to ask her about David Clark's drive to the beach. So we decided to stick to our knitting, really. The idea of this podcast is to slow the news down a bit, dig a little deeper because we're trying to understand and explain how things work during a pandemic and during a lockdown. So we just asked her to explain a bunch of things, really. And then, of course, we dug into the really important questions, stuff about haircuts and what it's like to have bodyguards when you're supposed to be social distancing. And you can't get Jacinda Ardern on the line and not collect her suggestion for the pandemic playlist. Indeed. So we did. Let's play the interview. Jacinda Ardern, welcome to Stuff's Coronavirus NZ podcast. Thanks for having me. Prime Minister, I wanted to take you right back to the beginning, if I may. When was the first time you heard the word coronavirus? Oh, it would have been uh, reading international reporting. Uh, uh, and that was, oh, it feels like a lifetime ago mm. now. Um, but it would have been over over summer, um, where I, I always try and keep up on international news and seeing those first reports and then that, just that real escalation uh, and alarm as what was, um, you know, an unknown uh, cause of, of an illness that was calling, causing pneumonia and other complications. And I just really watched it from there. I'm imagining a moment when Ashley Bloomfield or someone walks into the beehive with a with a briefcase with a red flashing light saying, stop, stop, you need to look at this. But probably not like that. Can you step us through how that escalation happens? And, and no, it's not like that. I mean, in the same way that you will have seen, uh, you will have seen that international reporting in the early days, we were watching as others were. But of course, then very quickly, those networks that you'd expect to to be in touch with one another really start to wind up. So there's a network of chief science advisors that exist, and which my chief science advisor is a part of. Um, there was, of course, data that was starting as the virus spread into other countries, which was a little bit further down the track. We start getting some um, data coming in from uh, different labs who are all sharing information with one another. So it was really at the point where we started to see it move beyond um, one country and into others that you really saw that um that escalation because there was that sharing of knowledge and extra modelling uh, and that's 
probably the point at which, of course, everyone then was just really sitting up and saying, this is, this is something that we have to prepare for and try and do differently. And so what were the scenes in the Beehive, I guess, during that week when the big call about levels three and four started to be made and when we sort of made that switch to follow the, the Dr. Michael Baker line, I guess, that there's actually a chance to eliminate, not just suppress? Well, really, I mean, early early on, we absolutely recognised that opting for um, a model where you, where you went for uh, something like herd immunity was not going to be us. That was not us. It was never entertained by us. Uh, then, of course, you remember early on, a lot of countries were talking about flattening the curve. And we just really looked at, you know, and that, of course, the idea there is that with flattening the curve, you keep your, um, you know, you suppress really the virus. You're trying um, to stamp it out as as much as you can so that you can cope with the cases within your health system. So really that flattening for us was always about pushing it down as far as it needed to go for us to always cope. And sure. as that turns out, that's pretty flat for New Zealand. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so I, rem- you know, I remember as we were trying to model what that would look like, thinking we need a we need a different approach to everyone else. Problem was, there was just not really anyone who was doing it like that. I have to say, the big moments for me really were making those decisions about what we were doing on our border. That felt huge. Mm-hmm. And I just remember thinking, a week ago, we wouldn't have thought we would be here, but here we are. And it was just such a simple, obvious decision. I thought this is what's got to be done. And we just didn't hesitate because uh, those were our opportunities to do it differently. It's looking really good, you know, as of today, Thursday afternoon. Uh, But have you wished at any point we'd gone one day, two days, three days, five days earlier? I've really not um, dwelt too much on that because at every moment uh, in, uh, we've worked to actually just, you know, keep staying ahead. And so when I, you know, when I compare, there's lots of, th- you know, lots of moments where I've thought, if I'd known what I know now, you know, a month ago, what would we have done differently? But that's really an impossible comparison to make. Mm. We, in a sense, have managed to do that, though, in a way that other countries haven't. I, you know, I had friends overseas saying, "Go, just shut down," because here I am in a lockdown with thousands of people dying. Just right. shut down. So we did benefit from that hindsight, but without having to experience it ourselves. Yeah. You know, we, 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 the Easter Bunny, essentially. Okay, Eugene here. I feel I need to explain myself because that was an atrocious segue, the worst. At this point in the interview, we experienced what we call technical problems. Because this is a podcast, you can't see that on the video chat Adam and I have between us, remember he's in his bedroom studio in one part of Auckland, I'm in mine in another part of Auckland. He was furiously waving his hands at me. You might have even heard him typing. He was trying to tell me that his internet connection had dropped out and he couldn't hear a thing. He's sort of gesticulating and waving at me. From time to time, the lines between the Prime Minister in Wellington and us in Auckland would drop out. It seemed like all five million New Zealanders were on Netflix, Zoom or playing Call of Duty or something all at the same time and the internet was straining, just like me. So yeah, utterly distracted, I was scrambling trying to keep the interview on track. And clearly, I didn't. It didn't escape the attention of the Prime Minister. And when Adam listened back to this afterwards, he nearly wet his pants laughing. So while we could easily have cut it out, 
he's made us keep in the worst segue you'll ever hear. You're welcome. The Easter Bunny, essential worker thing. <laughs> Change attack here. Good segue. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, well, the point is that's gone around the world. And, and Has it? Yeah, absolutely. There are people, leaders all around the world referring to it. And, and assuring their children. So be honest here. Whose bright idea was that? And and when did it first turn up in your speeches, you know, your speech notes? <laughs> it did, there were no speech notes on that. I don't know if you watched the press conference. It was just a question from a journalist. I didn't know I was going to get that question, but I had already um, thought about this issue um, and answered this question, but it was directly to children. Yeah. Um, so... Uh, I still run my own social media. I still do my own Facebook. I still do my own Instagram. And uh, that's proving really important to me right now because mm. while we're in this bubble, I don't get contact with people anymore. And that's how I that's how I know the mood. That's how I know how New Zealanders are feeling. And so I'm using social media as my tool for that. And because of that, I've had I've had kids sending me videos or letters or posters or questions asking me about, first it was a tooth fairy, um, and even from my little, even my niece did a video that she sent to me asking about the tooth fairy, <laughs> um, and then it was the Easter Bunny. So I'd already started individually replying, and then I thought, oh, I think we just need to clear this up <laughs> and just share it um, generally. Um, yeah, so that's that's how that happened. Uh, as far as our segues are getting a little bit more subtle as far as communication goes. So we know that around the world, scientists and health specialists are dialing into big regular meetings. I don't know what the logistics are, but I'm imagining um, Zoom or or group chats or something. Um, but it does feel, reading the paper, that politically things are rather more siloed. So, you know, are there any giant Zoom meetings of world leaders going on at the moment? How does that work? Yeah, and that's a fascinating. I've thought about this too. Given that we're all going through the same experience, you know, there isn't someone out there who's other than, of course, the WHO, who's really the one trying to write the guidebook for the world. But there are some things that they didn't move on, like, for instance, borders. And that was something that was a, has been a really important part of our response. So that takes you so far, and then you have to just design what works for you. Um, but really, I find when it comes to other leaders, you end up talking to the ones that you have the relationships with and that you know well. And so Australia, um, we've been in frequent contact. Uh, I've um, stayed in touch with um, Justin Trudeau. Um, I had a conversation with the Prime Minister of Sweden last night um, and with the Prime Minister of Singapore tonight. Um, But also uh, staying in touch with the Pacific has been really important. So the Ulu of Tokelau, I've spoken to several times, the Prime Minister of the Cook Islands um, and Nui, because we have a duty of care to the countries um, that are in our realm as well. Have you talked directly with President Trump at all? No, but nor would I expect to. I mean, that's that obviously, you know, that's um, not a connection that um, between New Zealand and the United States that um, is uh, quite at, at that level, I would say, just the ability to send a text because that's what I'm doing at the moment. It's by and large, it's those people that I just have the ability to contact quickly and informally um, because everyone is so busy right now. Hey, can I ask, when you were talking to this, uh, the, the leader of Sweden, um, how did that conversation go? I mean, did they say, uh, um, can we have some advice? Or did you say, hey, you should have thought about, um, you know, not doing this herd immunity thing? Uh, well, you know, interestingly, I've, I've, you know, I've got friends that live in Sweden. I've really asked them, you know, what is, 
what is going on over there, what's different, um, you know, what's, you know, how is, how is, have your health professionals made those decisions um, uh, and, you know, just where's the, where's the public mood? And interestingly, I guess, ultimately we, we all should be acting on, on science um, and the best health advice we have. But at the same time, uh, your people also will give you a sense of um, their expectations too. And it sounds like for a while, at least in Sweden, that they've had an expectation that this is how it's, gonna, how it's going to run. So we talked a, a little bit about um, just international institutions right now, what they could be doing, what we could be doing to support each other, trade tools, keeping you know trade flowing, a little bit about education because that's been a tricky one in the COVID response, schools, whether they stay open and such. So right. that was that kind of conversation. You spent a while working with Britain's Labour government back in the day. I guess one question first, your your mates from back then, are they okay? Yeah, Um uh, actually, um, I have been in touch with them. Uh, one uh, person who's less from that time, but uh, uh, someone I, I know, um, a Kiwi over there, has had COVID and was really unwell. Um, another has been basically um, the caregiver for their uh, floor in their apartment because they were one of the only ones on the entire floor of their building that didn't get COVID. So um, it, it does really give you that that sense that it's very close proximity to everyone over there. And then, of course, the the Prime Minister, Boris Johnson, how did you find out about that? And w- was that a shock that he had it and was not only sick, but was in intensive care? Yeah, I, I mean, because I knew others who had it in the UK, that bit probably didn't shock me as much as hearing that he was in intensive care. Uh, one of the things we're seeing in the UK is there has been some reporting of the different age bracket that seems to have been affected over there. And there are people, you know, with that kind of 50 and under who have been severely affected. And so that's been something that shocked me about the profile of the virus there generally, which sits directly in contrast to other countries' experiences. Mm. So it did shock me when I heard he was in intensive care. It really did. Of course, we've been extremely lucky so far. I mean, I'm scrambling mm. for some wood to touch, but... You know, we, we have had one death. There are people in intensive yeah. care, but, we you know, we seem to be scraping through. Is that too soon to say? Oh, and I'm I'm always I'm always so careful. Um, yeah. And, and this has been one of the – someone just asked me about this. Are you pleased about the numbers today? My mind will immediately turn to, well, will we sustain this tomorrow? And what about the next day? And that's been what it's been like every day since we had the first case. But I still think the fact that here in New Zealand that I could know the details of the people who are in intensive care mm. and know their profile, I know how they got COVID, I know their age, you know, the the fact that I'm still in a position where we can keep track of that says that we, we are in a lucky relative position. And I hope it stays that way. Yeah, so is anyone abroad asking for your advice? I mean, you know, New Zealand is doing relatively well. Is anyone saying, hey... Tell us what to do. Um, well, if they, that may indeed happen at a level different to mine, but when it comes to leader level, uh, I think one of the issues is all of our countries are so are so different. So, so if we look at the places, the places that have done well, places like Hong Kong or Taiwan, uh, you know, they've taken very particular measures, but they've also had societies that operate a little differently to ours as well and, and customs and practices. And so um, it does make it sometimes just to have that straight comparison. It is why I think Australia and New Zealand, we really have stayed in contact very closely in sync on some of our initiatives because, you know, that's an area where we, we are talking and we are learning and from, from each other. 
Sure. Hey, there's a lot of science coming across your desk at the moment. Were you any good at science at school? <laughs> My sister's a scientist. Oh, there you go. That's the start. Yeah, but, but um, you know, I, I did take chemistry, biology um, in school. Um, I don't have the same brain for it as my sister does, but I have always tried to make decisions on a very strong evidence base. So the science, um, the view of our scientific community, the role of my chief science advisor, the epidemiologist, the technical advisory group we have, has been absolutely key in our decisions I, I did come runner-up and um, oh, oh kind of sorry, it's, yeah. Uh, I think it's, I think Adam Adam dropped out of the call for a second there. <laughs> I think is what he's getting at. But can can wave at me if you can hear me? I can hear you now, hey. but you've just frozen again. Okay, you missed the moment you, then you, when I was about you, to reveal that I went to the APQ Science <laughs> Festival in oh, South oh, oh. Korea as a seventeen-year-old. I think we need to have that. Did, did you want to add that? No, that's all I'm going to put out there on that. <laughs> Okay. Well, it's a really weird time for politics at the moment. The opposition is being supportive of you and and taken a a kind of a national unity almost path. How long do you think that political truce will last? And actually, is there a political truce? Oh, look, there's, there's, um, I think, uh, a degree of, you know, collaborative work whilst also maintaining accountability. And I think that's exactly what New Zealand needs we were really aware when, uh, you know, we moved to alert level four and we had these expectations of the public that we couldn't continue to convene parliament in the same way, but we still needed that oversight. And that's what the select committee is providing. And I think we'll be the better for it. Um, and so, yes, I'm also staying in touch with um, the leader of the opposition. Um, I spoke to him yesterday um, until the select committee was established. Actually, we were speaking fairly regularly. And that's what we should do in times like this. Uh, and when I think about March 15, um, that happened then too, and with Whakariwa Island, exactly the same. So those are the moments when actually no one is interested in politics, and that actually includes the politicians most of the time. And and so just to be clear, in the normal course of things, would you be talking to each other on a weekly basis one-to-one, or you just stick to shouting across Parliament at each other? (laughs) No, you don't, actually. (laughs) There'll be from time to time you might have the odd thing that you would have cause to talk to one another about, but as a matter of course, actually, no. By and large, you you see each other down in the debating chamber. So no bad thing that you actually have, have, have reason to to actually talk to one another about things that you know, actually both of you care about and both of you agree on, mm. by and large. Scientist Susie Wiles had a great line about the COVID-19 responses being a little bit like building the plane as you fly along. Did you nod your head when you heard her say that? <laughs> well, actually, I don't think that, that, you know, in some circumstances, that might be taken as a criticism. Um, but what I think with COVID-19 uh, even if you have, as New Zealand did, a pandemic plan, you've got to adapt everything you're doing to the specifics and the science and the knowledge about this particular virus. So there were things that we've learned along the way. We know that, you know, after a particular period of time, it's it's not prevalent on surfaces anymore. We know about, you know, more about asymptomatic versus symptomatic transmission. And all of these things are unique to this particular virus. And so to you do have to adapt and build your response around that. And so that's that's probably previously you might have thought that was a criticism, but I think what Susie is saying is actually, um, you know, it is right to build, 
to build specifically for this. Mm. Otherwise, you won't be tailoring your response. And, and to be clear, Susie wasn't criticising. That's the, the point she was making. No, was, no. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it, absolutely. It, yeah, but but I think actually it's a not an unfair thing to say. In fact, you do need to build the plane as you go. If you work with just a plane you've got, it might not be the one that you need for the mission. Yeah, absolutely. Naturally, though, some things aren't going to be quite right. And I guess one aspect that's been highlighted from businesses is this confusion or, or frustration around essential versus non-essential businesses. Is that one area that could have been done better? I think actually when you think about um, the speed at which we needed to move, uh, then there was probably always going to be a bit of a, a bit of tension there because on the one hand, we were saying we only want essential services, we want as little contact as possible, and that's the principle on which we're doing this. On the other, people were saying, well, but I can do this in a particular way. I can do it in a way that doesn't you know, cause mm. all of these issues. And you can understand how that's frustrating. But if you're wanting to do something that actually is really watertight, you need as little grey as possible. You mm. just actually need to be pretty black and white and and run with it. And that's what we've had to do. All right, some soft stuff now. You see, we're just, just not bothering with segues. Uh, I, I want to talk bubbles. Who's in yours and how many homes does it encompass? Ah, so um, uh, at my home, it's me, Clark, Neve, and my parents. And then um, I have a very small group of staff that I work with. And so that's, um, uh, we did a check beforehand with that small team that I'm working with that their bubbles don't interact with anyone else. So that's how we've managed it. So I only go between two places, the Beehive and Premier House, and it's pretty limited. Everyone's pretty sick of each other. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, I'm not sure. Where are you calling from now? The Beehive. I've just come from the daily press conference. Right. When you're out and about, you're always closely followed by a member or two or three of the Diplomatic Protection Service. How does that work if everyone's trying to do the two-metre social distance thing? Yeah, so that's been interesting. <laughs> you know, usually, obviously, we're in pretty close proximity, but not having events to go to anymore, it's a bit easier for them to keep their two metres of distance. So they've been doing that. And, you know, from time to time, I used to jump in the security car, not doing that so much anymore. Um, and so that's just little differences, really. Self-care is an important issue with this lockdown. I'm getting through COVID-19 while watching Ozark in the evenings. Drug lords murdering each other, general mayhem. It cheers me up a lot, gets me through an emotional level. So how do you switch off or wind down, if at all? Oh, well, playing with Neve helps a lot um, because, of course, when I'm with her, she just wants full attention. Um, so that's that's one thing. At the moment, there's not a lot of um, time in the evenings, um, but... My my parents like watching terrible British comedies, so from time to time I might dip into something. Um, just normal things, uh, just like everyone else. I use the same the same escapism as everyone else. Are you because you're not having to travel around the country opening things? Are you, does that give you more time? Well, as you can, uh, I mean, you you're know, quite busy at the moment. Compare yeah. at any other time, maybe that would be true, but because this, as you can imagine, is um, pretty uh, uh, workload intensive, all-consuming, uh, yeah, all-consuming. Yeah, so, no, full on. Full-on is probably the technical um, term. So, no, not um, not a lot. Not a lot. Um, and actually, events. Yeah, as I say, that's one thing I actually miss people. Yeah. <laughs> Just 
Lucinda Ardern, your famously DJ of Some Note. We can't let you go without asking for a suggestion for our plague playlist. It could be a famous song that fits the moment, or one of the incredible new original songs that have been springing up around the planet. What have you got? Oh, I just, <laughs> you know what? Um, earlier today, someone played me a little, a little snippet of the Ashley Bloomfield tribute piece. Um, so I don't oh. know if you can find that. We will. I did not know there was such a thing. That's there on, is. I, that's on the Ashley Bloomfield Appreciation Society Facebook page, actually. <laughs> there is um, such a thing. Either if you struggle um, uh, with with that, then uh, how about Elton John, I'm Still Standing? All mm. right. And one final question, because you, you do have to dash off. But, you know, as this lockdown wears on, important issues present themselves, such as haircuts. You know, I shave my head with the help of my wife, Suzanne, so I'm fine. Adam seems to be going down the wild man of Borneo look. But you're the Prime Minister and you need to be a bit more conscious of these things. So are you having to entrust the uh, scissors to Clark? Thankfully, I got a very aggressive haircut before lockdown. <laughs> so I should be okay. But I'm expecting it any day now, greys to emerge. That's what I'm expecting. <laughs> all right. Well, look, thank you so much for your time and uh, all the best. Thanks a lot. Thanks. Take you guys. Bye. Cheers. I'm stuck in isolation, but it's not so bad Cause every day at one, I get to see my man He's got blonde hair he's got So, as requested by the Prime Minister for the Plague Playlist, you're listening to Maxwell Apps with his Ashley Bloomfield, a love song. Dr. Ashley, won't you catch me? I want to lay down and cuddle Thank you for joining us for this special episode of the Coronavirus NZ podcast for Friday the 10th of April. I'm Adam Dudding. He's Eugene Bingham. Thank you to Jacinda Ardern, Alex Liu, Catherine George, John Hartefeld and Carol Hirschfeld. Right. Now, seriously, this time we are done for the week. We're back on Tuesday. In the meantime, catch us on all the podcast apps and at the Stuff website, stuff.co.nz. And don't forget to contact us on email, viruspod at stuff.co.nz. If you're a Kiwi living overseas, flick us a voicemail. Tell us where you are, who you are, and how you're doing. Adieu. 